Welcome back to the Aeon Pensions Podcast. Today I'm joined by Gary Cowler. Welcome, Gary. Hi, Stuart. Uh, we're going to be discussing uh, some of the key uh, issues around administration. Um, but Gary, could you just start by giving us a, a, an overview of what you do here at Aeon? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a member of our UK retirement leadership team, and more specifically, I co-lead our UK pensions administration business. You, you, you lead the administration practice. You must have seen some changes over the last few years. So, so what have they been? Well, I think the first thing I'd call out would be quite a, quite a dramatic change in terms of the, the whole competitive landscape and the market dynamics. One of the things that I think we saw perhaps five or ten years ago particularly was that there was a, a bit of a race to the bottom in terms of prices as organisations are pushing for market share. And in fairness, I think we played our part in that. Um, at the same time, that implied that we weren't attaching sufficient weight to the, to the real skill expertise that's required to do a first-class job in UK pensions admin. So you put those things together, and what I think it was really leading to was the, the fact that we weren't collectively, as an industry, delivering the kind of uh, good outcomes that we ought to have been doing for our clients and their members. I think over the course of the, the last year or so, we've really started to see a bit of a shift in that in the market, and people have really woken up to the da- dangers and the downside of that. I'd like to think that, that what differentiated us in, in, that, in that period is that we recognised that risk three or four years ago and made some quite dramatic changes to our own business to, to deal with those things. If we were really going to focus on providing our clients and their members with a really great service, we needed to do things dramatically different from where we were a few years ago. So that's a process that we've undertaken over the course of the, the last two or three years particularly. And, and you know, the timing's pretty positive actually. As, as, I, as I look forward into 2019 and 2020 now, it's great to be able to say, we made a lot of promises about how we were going to transform our business and better focus it on clients and members, and that we've actually done that. And we now find ourselves with a business of over, over 600 specialist UK pensions admin staff, absolutely focused on delivering for those clients in the integrated or the bundled market where we think we can, we can really add the most value on a, a more standardised, a much more robust operating model. And that all comes from that recognition made perhaps three or four years ago that we can and should serve our clients and their members better than we had been doing, delivering on that transformation that we committed to those years ago. And the future looks, I think, rather rosier now. How's the reaction been then from, from pension funds? I mean, they surely, I'm, I'm assuming that there were lots of discussions from um, trustees and scheme managers about value uh, and what, what that looked like in terms of provision. So how's, how's that journey progressed for you? I think when you go on any, any journey of quite such a substantial change, then people are nervous about what risk that that change might imply along the way. Um, so I think that's one of the most important things that we've had to manage carefully over the last two or three years particularly, to try and articulate to our clients what change we're proposing, uh, exactly what impact that's going to have on them and on their service and on their members, and therefore try and bring them along positively with that journey. I think the really encouraging piece as I sit here today is that that's a journey that we've now completed. It's no longer a promise about the stuff that we're going to do. We can yeah. now look back and say, we promised we'd do that. That's what we've done. And interestingly, we look into, into 2019 and beyond and, and feel really excited and, and, and pretty good about that. We've, we've now focused the business strategically really on those that want to buy in an integrated and bundled way because we're absolutely sure that's where we can deliver the best value. We've now got this business of 600 plus 
pensions admin specialists in three dedicated locations, giving us some real scale. And our clients are really starting to give us some feedback now that they're seeing the, the positive outcomes from some of the changes that we've invested in so, so heavily over the course of the last two or three years. So what are the other uh, impacts um, from these changes? I, I think the other, the other key things that have been going on in the market have been that, well, first of all, the, the demand on pensions administration in the UK has really increased quite dramatically over, over the course of recent years. So, for instance, first thing I'd call out there is that the, the number of big strategic projects that, that clients require administrators to carry out on their behalf has really gone through the roof over the course of the last few years, whether that be member options, exercises, or, or perhaps risk settlement exercises too. You know, that's been a, that's been a record-breaking year for the industry, um, one that Aon has played a, a huge part in. So our admin team has really been right at the forefront of helping clients deliver on those kind of projects. So that, that whole landscape across the last couple of years has really put a, a spotlight on pensions admin that you've got to be able to deliver against those key strategic projects. And, and you know, to link that back to the previous point about is it all about price? A relatively small difference in price versus the idea of delivering on time in a, a significant strategic project that's worth potentially many millions, well, there's, there's only one winner in that race. Um, so that's the first thing in terms of a really big increase in demand and activity. The second one, of course, has been that pensions freedoms has really changed the landscape again over the course of the last few years. So we've seen a huge increase in volumes, much greater volatility in terms of work levels. So that's, that's also made a big difference to the way that we have to serve our clients. So what's been the impact then for members um, on Pensions Freedom? Do you know, I think if we look back to 2014, 2015, when Pensions Freedoms were first talked about, I don't think many of us can claim that we expected them to deliver anything like the amount of change that they have, have brought about. So if I look at DB schemes particularly, we can really see quite a significant change in, in behaviour there. And that, that change in behaviour is having quite an impact in a few different ways. So first of all, it's starting to have a big impact on funding levels in some places. So that's, that's really interesting for sponsors. They, they might start to see deficits reducing more, more rapidly than they'd anticipated. A big impact for trustees too. They might see themselves being able to move to that risk-reduced state more speedily than they would have otherwise done. Uh, but perhaps most importantly, it's having an impact for members uh, because they're making different decisions and they're starting to take their benefits in different ways than they did in the past. Yeah. So how will this impact members? I think one of the, one of the most interesting things I'd call out there is that the, the impact on members is, to quite a large extent, impacted by the way that scheme trustees and scheme sponsors, working with their administrators of course, are choosing to frame the decisions and choices that members have. So if I particularly look at the way that uh, uh, schemes are thinking about quoting and presenting transfers at the point of retirement, now that whole topic about behavioural finance and decision architecture is one that's had lots of press comment and discussion over the course of the last few years. It's, it's become very, very fashionable all of a sudden. But this is an area that really brings it to life and you can see quite directly how it's affecting members' decisions and ultimately members' lives. So 
one of the things we do, we, we, we provide pensions admin in the UK for about 250 schemes. And we've monitored since about 2014 the, the process and activity around members uh, at retirement decisions and whether they choose to take transfers and all of all, all of all of that kind of all of that kind of activity and what we've seen over that just a four year period is that the the volume of transfers overall has increased by about sevenfold since pensions yeah. freedoms came into effect yeah, really stark figure um, in fact if you if you look at the the highest paid and those with the largest pension pots so those those with transfers in excess of about half a million um, we've seen the increase 13-fold there, so even even more dramatic. So I bet, I bet none of your projections were, were even close to, to sort of those levels. No, absolutely. We all thought we might see a little bit of a spike, but what's been really interesting is if you dig down into that, what you find is that it's the it's some of the decisions that are being made by trustees and scheme sponsors that are really influencing the kind of decisions that members are making around the way that they take their benefits. So again, just to, if I continue to focus on that point about what decisions members make at the point of retirement and just call out some quite extreme examples of what trustees and sponsors might do. If you consider one end of the spectrum where you've got trustees that have really made no change at all since pensions freedoms came in. Yep. So a member's coming up to retirement. Uh, the the transfer value is not is not talked about uh, in any great detail. It's not made visible to the member. The member certainly has no sense as to what the value might be, and wouldn't anticipate for a moment that you know a twenty thousand pound pension at retirement might translate into a transfer value in excess of half a million. Couple that with the fact that a member in those circumstances has all sorts of practical and financial barriers uh, in order to try and go and get some IFA advice to look at their options properly then surprise, surprise, members in those circumstances are hardly ever transferring. Yeah. They're, they're just taking their pension at the point of retirement in a similar fashion to the, to the way they've always done. And typically fewer than 5% of members are taking a transfer in those circumstances. If we then go and have a look right at the other end of the spectrum, you've got some trustees and sponsors that have really embraced this and they've decided that at the point of retirement they're going to make the transfer value really visible they're going to quote the precise amount and lay it out right next to the uh, retirement pension. And going further than that, they're starting to provide some support to maybe a modeler to look at retirement options, maybe uh, providing access to an IFA with, uh, with, with, with coverage of the costs or some part coverage of the costs. So all of a sudden, the member has real visibility of the transfer. Their barriers, both financial practical to getting good financial advice, are largely removed. The incidence of transfers in those situations is massively increased. That could be anything from 25% to 50%. So I go back to the beginning that the choices that trustees and sponsors are making, working with their administrators and their advisors, are drastically changing the decisions that members make and therefore members' life outcomes at this really pivotal point. And do you know, there's loads of debate still about what's right and what's wrong when it comes to presenting and making visible the transfer option at retirement. People have really strong views on this and that would probably be the subject of half a dozen uh, separate, <laughs> separate podcasts. So there's nowhere in the world I'm going to try and solve that one today. It's quite a polarising issue. But what everybody should definitely recognise is the way they present the choices to members, 
the structure they put around the decisions, that will drive the outcome. Yeah. So if, I'd say to trustees and I'd say to sponsors, know that the decisions you're going to make will have an impact. And please remember too that making no decision and sticking with what you do today, that is in fact a decision. It's just a pretty passive one. So are there any uh, things that we can do to help tackle this? Yes. Yeah, and I think we've seen some some, some really good examples of this. I, I I guess first I might take a step back and just and just say that given all of those changes that that we've just talked about going on in the market, first of all, make sure that you've got yourself a, an operating model and a a flexible resourcing model that means that that means to whatever extent these changes impact you and your scheme you're ready to deal with them. You're ready to deal with the day-to-day and the projects and keep the train on the tracks and give everybody a great service. But then taking that on to the next level, I think the next really obvious piece is that there ought to be some collaborative conversations going on here that involve not just the pensions administration team, but the trustees, the sponsor, and also your actuary too. Because whatever solution you arrive at, you have to have all of those different stakeholders pulling in the same direction. Getting past that pretty high level piece, I think the next bit would be what can you do on a really practical level? And again, this is remembering that volumes have spiked massively and that volatility is is, is more of a challenge than it ever had been before in in day-to-day activity and in terms of some of these big strategic projects too. And so that means having a look at the way you use automation, it means having a look at the way that you manage your cash flow, for instance, and that might mean the, the administration team working closely with the investment consultant as well as the actuary to make sure that everybody's got all of the right policies and the structures in place to deal with these things. So I think we've seen some really positive moves with administrators, trustees and others really stepping up to deal with these things. And what we've seen as a result of that is that People have been able to keep the train on the tracks to deliver great day-to-day service, as well as making sure that we're on top of those big strategic projects and delivering on the objectives that trustees and sponsors have set around those. And if we can do all of those things, and I'm absolutely convinced we can, then you come out of this period with all those increased volumes and all of the challenges with the members, with the trustees and the sponsor all feeling pretty good about what you've achieved. Well, thanks for taking time out today to talk to us about this. I mean, is that it, just to summarise, you know, if, if pension funds are considering, you know, taking a leap and making some of these changes, I mean, when 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 is the best time to sort of start reviewing this? I think that the the majority of, of of trustees and sponsors have have really embraced some of this change over the course of the last few years, but the fact is, it's not something that you do once uh, and, and that you're absolutely you're absolutely finished with in that case. So, so, so most have acted to make sure that they're in a strong position as far as their day-to-day service is concerned. If they haven't, then, then you know, they, they really should pick up the, the, the mantle on that now and do something with it. But it will be something that's subject to review from time to time because the, the strategic objectives of the sponsor um, and the wider experience in the market will continue to change. Yeah. It might be that there's a greater desire to get to some degree of self-sufficiency and a member options exercise. Some kind of bulk exercise might play a big part in that. It might be that there's a piece around risk settlement just coming around the corner. And so again, it's about getting all of those key stakeholders around the table at the right, at the right time to make sure that 
everybody's pulling in the right direction and you achieve the objective that you've set out towards in the first place. Brilliant. Well, Gary, thanks for your time. And if, um, if any of the listeners want to get further information, uh, we can send them to the, the website and, and pop them your email address. That's great. Thanks, Stuart. Thank you.